Welcome to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan, and thank you so much for joining us today. We know that uh, there's so many other things going on, so many other things you could be listening to right now, but you have decided to listen to what God has in store for you on this podcast. So we just pray and ask that God would bless you in this sermon Thank you again for joining us. Don't forget, you are part of the Rock Creek Family Church family. Good to have everybody here. Good to be uh, back here on on Wednesday night. And yes, we're nine weeks down and about 84 weeks to go. All right. So Revelation is a biggie. There's a lot to it. Um, We're going to be covering Revelation chapter 4. Tonight, and that leads into um, that leads into the rapture, and, and talking about that. And um, there's always a lot of debate over the rapture, whether there is or whether there isn't, or when it occurs. All of that good stuff. I'm going to share with you um, all the studies and things that I've done. My belief on this um, it, it's one of those things that. Uh, this is just kind of the direction I feel God leading me, me leading me down. We'll we'll go over that a little deeper, but um, the main thing is that we do know we do know that um, there is going to be a rapture at some point in time. Um, many people, in fact, I've talked to a few people in leadership lately, and I've um, asked them, hey, is there anything that I can do, anything we can do? We're praying for you. I'm praying for you, this or that. And almost all of them are like, thank you. We're praying for Jesus to come back now. <laughs> Jesus to come on back. And uh, you know what? Yeah, he may. He, he very well may. It could be, I, mean, not, I might not finish tonight. He may just take us on. Uh, take us in. There you go. Bring it on. Um, I have had dreams in the past of of uh, of the rapture happening, and um, it's I, I know that it, it's it's a little bit of a mystery, but we're going to cover some of that. Hopefully, shed light on a little bit of that ministry. Good to see everybody here tonight. Good to see you online. Those that are joining in there, or maybe joining in later. I hope everyone has enjoyed the Book of Revelation so far. I do realize that. We took a little bit longer at the beginning, um, talking about the seven churches. I really wanted to do that on purpose, because I really wanted to make sure that we understood the foundation and the setup for Revelation. Um, that it's hard to see the genuine reality and truth behind the power of God until you understand the heart of God. Okay? And the heart of God is expressed very deeply, uh, very emphatically in when he's talking with all of the churches. That uh, his heart is to make everybody ready. His heart is to walk with them. As, as he said, I'm, I'm, walking in the, the, I'm walking in the midst of the candlesticks. I'm walking in the midst of the churches. I'm there. He says, I see your works as if to say, I, I'm I know what's going on, good or bad. I know what's going on in your in your church, in your society, in your culture, and hey, even in your own hearts. I know what is going on. Um, so we have just finished those seven churches. Um, 
which leads us then again into uh, the, the book of Revelation chapter 4. And we're going to talk about how I believe that does talk about a rapture. Uh, what does that mean for us now? Does, th does that simply mean that we can just kind of kick back and relax and think, okay, Jesus is coming, let's, let's, let's not worry about it, let's just, let's just relax and then if he comes, he's going to come take us out of here and, and we're not going to have to deal with any of that stuff. No, that's not the case. That's not the case. Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who believe in pre-tribulation rapture main goal of this, of saying, we, want, we don't want any tribulation at all. We don't want any persecution at all because, hey, it does. Who out here says, ooh, ooh, ooh me, ooh me, when it comes to tribulation and persecution? I do not believe that pre-tribulation rapture means that you get out scot-free on any persecution. All right? We're going to talk about why I believe that. But I do believe it gets us to a point where God escapes us out, catches us up, pulls us out of the wrath of God, out of his wrath. We're, we're going to talk about that and go deeper with that. Um, so anyways, if you have your Bibles, let's, without further ado, go to Revelation chapter 4. We will read that in its entirety. Don't worry about it. Don't flip out over that. It's only like 11 verses. So I think you can make it even though it's a Wednesday night. Wednesday nights are tough. I realize that. I have a hard time, even myself, staying awake in my own house. All right, so it's okay. I, I understand. I, I get it. Um, especially if I was, man, if I was watching this at home, and I was on the couch, and my belly was full, <laughs> I would be thanking God right now that I could go back and rewatch it and miss the uh, stuff that I missed, or get the stuff that I missed. So... Um, but we do know beyond the shadow of a doubt, before I read this, um, we know that in an unexpected time, and I say unexpected, not that we're not all looking for it, but at a time, the Bible says, we're not really, at a time we're not really going to know. Even Jesus himself said, hey, this is up for the Father to know, and then when he tells me, go get them, I'll go get them. The angels in heaven don't know, but at a certain time, we just have to be ready. We have to be ready for any certain time for him to come, for him to part those clouds, for him to call us home. We have to be ready. I think that's the moral of the story, more so than it is just praying that we get out of having to deal with stuff. Um, for instance, whenever I was in uh, driver's education, uh, we went and at the end of the class, we went and took the test, the written part, and of course you get the little assignment, okay, go practice, and then in so many weeks come back, and then we'll take, have to take the driving part with the, um, with the trooper there riding with you. And a guy, a guy that went before me, actually, I called him and I said, how did it go? He said, you'll never believe this. I didn't even have to drive. I said, oh, really? You didn't have to drive? He said, no, I didn't even have to drive. I went at a certain time that he was actually giving the test. There was nowhere, no way anyone else could do it. So he said, since I took driver's ed, he would just go ahead and pass me and move on. What do you think I was praying for for the next few days? <laughs> and guess what? It happened, right? It did happen. I did not have to drive for my driving test. But did that get me out of and did that make me escape all the responsibility? Absolutely. 
not. We as a church still have an incredible responsibility, especially, and I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there, as the American church who is looked at by a lot of the world. We talked about this last week in, in, our, in our adult Bible study there. Um, a lot of the world is looking to America as the head of what's going on, especially in the church. There's a lot of the church world that's looking at America, American church and saying, how are you handling things and how are you doing things? That's how we want to do it as well. Well, with, great respons- with, with that great power comes great responsibility, to quote Spider-Man, right? Um, uh, that does give us a lot of responsibility, um, which the Bible actually talks about those that are the leaders. That he said, be careful, because you're going to be looked at a little bit differently. That I'm going to make sure that, uh, that, that I hold my leaders to a higher standard, just as, as any church would do the same. As a pastor, if I have a leadership under me, I'm going to hold that leadership to a little bit of a higher standard than someone who just comes in and sits down and leaves. Um, that's just how, it's, that's how it works. Um, I think God has us in position right now for such a time as this. I do know this, we need, to be, we need to make sure that we understand that whether the rapture is tonight, or if it's five years from now, or if it's in 2033, who knows, whatever it is, um, we have to make sure that we're doing everything we can to hold up our end of the responsibility and giving it all that we have. What generation? What if it's in the next generation? Do I fall asleep now? Because this happens to the next generation. The next generation are going to watch me being asleep. So what are they going to be doing? And it's just going to continue to, to pass on down the line. So we need to be very careful. I do know this. It could come at any moment at any time. In fact, I was reminded of that by my wonderful younger son, Eli, who um, were turning the office into a piano studio. Uh, so that Stephanie can have more students there and that it won't disturb the rest of the house and she's going to be in there um, doing that. And so I had to pack up a lot of my office things, things, memorabilia, stuff that I have, packing it up, getting it ready for maybe here. And in that is uh, a shofar that my mom and dad bought me a few years back. I guess got it from Branson or whatever. Got a shofar. Well, I can't, I can't play the thing, I, I, but it's, it's neat to have, and it's symbolic. Well, Eli actually, about a year ago, learned how to somewhat play it just a little bit. Well, he found that shofar in the box that I had kind of packed up. And he'd been tooting it around for the last few days, but I told him to kind of put it up and not be playing with it. Well, today I am, I'm praying, and the door is shut, because still, I'm still in the office for now, and the door is shut, and I'm praying. Guess what you think I heard? <laughs> right outside the door. And I'm thinking, oh, it's now, it's now, it's now. <laughs> but it's just, it's just Eli warming up. <laughs> warming up so it could happen at any time but so let's talk about it let's let's dive right in because i ain't gonna lie i got a ton of stuff to cover don't even know if i'm gonna get it all in but we are going to try so um that's why i brought that was the real reason why i brought y'all some snacks because uh 
This may, we may be in for like a five-hour study. Are you all okay? All right. So here we go. Revelation chapter 4. Again, remember the context of what is going on. Context is super, super important. Uh, especially, it's in all, in all scripture, but especially when you talk about the prophetic and you talk about the book of Revelation, because some people can take prophecy and run crazy directions with it. Okay? So the context is, is the, the church... The last church has just been talked to, right? It's just been addressed by Christ, the church at Laodicea. Those of you who probably remember, the church at Laodicea was the lukewarm church. Gets a very stern talking to by Jesus himself. It's, in fact, they get no commendation at all. Jesus doesn't say, add a boy on anything just about that they've done. He just comes straight to them and says, hey... Watch out because you're allowing yourself to be lukewarm in a, in a nutshell. Let's say it this way and so I can move on. You're allowing so many cares of this world to choke out the seed of the gospel that is in your heart and in your life. And if that is the case, dispensationally speaking, in part of this, this last age before Christ comes back, that is going to be a, a, um, a, a struggle for the church, let's put it that way. It's going, to be a, it's going to be a wrestling match for the church to compete with all of the idols in everyone's heart. I'm going to let that soak in for just a second. Because I do believe that's part of what's going on right now. That people have so many idols in their own life and in their heart that uh, Christ... And is competing for your time, competing for your energy, competing for your belief. And here's, here's a big clue to everybody. Christ doesn't compete. Christ doesn't do that. Um, he wins. One way or another, he wins. So you might as well choose right now to be on his side and win with him. And that's where, again, it goes into... Even now, even in America, which who knows, things may completely change within a few months or a year. Um, you, we've been living the high life, spiritually speaking, religiously speaking. We've been living the high life. We've been picking high cotton. Um, it's very possible that could be shaken. Okay, let me reword that. It's, that's being shaken right now. That's being shaken right now. Um, will that usher major persecution? Who knows? Christ said this, this day and this time will come on like labor pains. Now, I've witnessed it from one side of the, of the perspective. And I do know that it's kind of like, oh, you've, okay, it's coming. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. Then it's, it's here, all right? And so, <laughs> something's hurting, something's going. You've got to move now. You've got to go now. Um, so that's what it's like. So if Jesus is speaking to the seven churches and he's saying, hey, do this, don't do this. Be faithful here. Make sure that you, you understand what's going on here and now. And then all of a sudden he comes to the last church and says, don't be lukewarm. What warning is it for us now? Okay, that is one of the reasons why actually I feel like it leads into this moment of, of an enraptured experience that John himself has. As if to say, um, 
if you hold fast to being my true disciple, my true servant, my true church, I've got something for you. I've got a promise for you. God always has a promise for his true people. Always. Always. All right, so Revelation chapter 4. I ramble enough, let's get right on into it. Here we go. After the church, it says, after these things, after these things, after the church age, after the church has had its time. In other words, after Jesus has told him, you've addressed the churches. That letter has had its last signature and every T crossed, every I dotted. It's, that's done. And then all of a sudden, when that is done, John is caught up. After these things, I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven. What did Jesus just say about the church of Laodicea? Behold, I'm standing at that door. Okay, he said to Philadelphia, he said, I'm, gonna, I'm the one that holds the keys of David and I'll open a door no man can open and I'll shut a door no man, I'll open a door that no man can shut and I'll shut a door no man can open. I, I'm the one that's going to open this door. And he says it to Philadelphia about being that true and faithful church. I'm the one that's going to open this door. Then he goes to Laodicea and he says, you're lukewarm, but I'm knocking on the door of your heart, asking Wanting to come in. So now you have these two symbols that Jesus is trying to work through. And now all of a sudden, John gets, poof, a door opened right in front of him. What's behind that door? What's behind curtain number three, Bob? Right? And the first, vo vo excuse me, and the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me saying, Come up here. Come up. That's a, that's a pretty important phrase. Come up here. And I will show you things which must take place after this. Here's another phrase that's really, really important. Immediately, I was in the Spirit. Immediately. Aren't you glad God knows how to do things? Immediately. We see a phrase like immediately over and over again when we talk about this. I was in the spirit and behold, a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. That's pretty important appearance. I want you to hold on to that. Okay. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads, and from the throne proceeded lightnings and thundering and voices. Again, there's another, there's some picture, some, there's a picture I want you to get a hold of, lightning and thundering in the throne room with a rainbow and stones and precious gems, all right? Seven lamps of fire were, were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. We don't have the time to go over that. We've already been over that. But before the throne, there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. I have this uh, feeling that they were moms. They were all mothers <laughs> that were floating around, right? 
The first living creature was like a lion. That mama was mad. The second living creature was like a calf. And the third living creature had the face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory honor and power for you created all things and you by your will they exist and were created okay a mouthful right that's a mouthful but get ready for for more get ready for more before we step into the more i know we've already prayed but man i need god's help to make sure that this comes through just the way i wants it done so let's pray one more time heavenly father i do need you I need you completely, not just, not just in part, but in whole. I need you, God. I want more of you. I need direction and your wisdom and your guidance. Lord, we as a church, we can't forget about you. Even being your church, we can't be so caught up in who we are or who we think we want to be that we miss our true identity in who you are. And we can't miss seeking your face trying to seek each other's faces, trying to seek the face of what we think we want in popularity or, or control or, or religion or whatever the case may be. God, right now, um, God, right now, I sit before you and I repent. I repent of all the things that I have placed before you in my life. And I thank you, God, that through your grace and through your mercy, you're sanctifying me on a daily basis and removing those idols. God, remove them from my heart. Remove them from the church so that we can be your true church. We love you, and we ask this in your holy name. We pray, be with us tonight in a special way. Amen. Amen. All right, so here we go. I have eight reasons. There's many, many more, but I have eight reasons to talk about the rapture and most likely when I feel like it will occur. You know what? If, if it ends up being mid-tribulation rapture, I'm not going to lose my sanity over it. Okay? I'm still going to remain faithful and true and hold out until he comes to get me. Okay? Uh, if it's at the end, guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to hold faithful and true, and I'm going to hold out until he gets me. Because I think that is the main message. And that's the big argument with everybody on, on that is, is uh, do we get out of persecution or do, we don't, or do we not get out of persecution? Here's the thing. No, the church is not exempt from persecution. The church right now is being persecuted in multiple ways, spiritually and physically. Just as he's approaching these seven churches with letters, there were multiple ways they were persecuted, financially, spiritually, physically. There were, do you realize that over 160,000 people a year are being, still being martyred for the cause of Jesus Christ and his church? Even in today's civilized world, over 160,000 people a year are being martyred in ways that would make us cringe in fear really, really saw it and was a part of it. 
Um, here's the thing, though. Those places where some of that is happening and major persecution is happening, the church is growing by leaps and bounds. It is, they're, they're, I, there are so many reports right now of underground churches having, to, having the trouble of trying to find bigger places because people are coming in and squeezing in and there is no room for them. So they're trying to find more places. They're, there's, hundreds, there's churches that, are, that have hundreds of thousands of members and they're underground or they're in places where persecution is at its, at its highest. Um, so you can't just look at the American church and, and, and really kind of determine what all of the entire church is about because that's not always the right picture. That's just, we're just a sample. But I would say this, the American church is, while we are not maybe yet under physical persecution, um, I would say this, we have a different type of persecution here and it was something I kind of already mentioned. It is the persecution of having so much that it's taking away our love and our fire for Christ. Sometimes we have a little too much. Sometimes we, we forget where our blessings come from. I'm, I'm not certainly speaking about every single Christian, but I'm just looking in, in, in the broad sense, in general, the American church. We've had it good. And the American church has made it a lot more about the programs that we can teach people on how to live a good life versus teaching people how to seek the face of God on a continual basis. Um, I, I know I've said this before, but I'll say, I'll say it again in this context. Uh, when you think about why God moves in such a powerful way on missionary trips, and sometimes we like to see that here, and we get confused on, is that the same God? Is that the same church? What's going on? And the answer is yes, it's the same God. The answer is yes. The difference is, is those people, uh, those people are, are dependent on God like we understand. And now we have moments of that. We have moments of that. And I'm certainly, again, not talking about every single believer. But um, here in America, we, ha we depend on God for a good life. They depend on God for life, period. And maybe, just maybe, that's what God's trying to get us back to. And maybe he's trying to call us back to that. So anyways, so here are eight reasons that I believe the rapture is coming and most likely coming soon. And what, what we can look at about this rapture stuff, when it's going to happen, and is it really true? Is it really in the Bible? So here we go. All right, the first thing we want to do is look at um, the, the book of Revelation gives us a timeline. Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Jesus tells John specifically, write about these three things. I've already covered this few weeks back, but just a refresher. Write about these three things. Write about the things that's going on, the things that you have seen. Write about the things you have seen. Write about the things that, that you see right now. And write about the things that are going to happen. He gives us a timeline. He gives us a timeline. Why I believe that that then leads to the rapture of the church is because if you read the book in the context of that timeline, 
you see very clearly a timeline. You see Jesus and John talking. And they talk about the things that have, that have happened. And then he says, write to the churches. And so he takes a moment to write to the churches the things which are right now. And then all of a sudden things shift. And he goes to write about the things that are coming. Okay? So when you couple that with the second reason, it is the fact that this timeline is unfolding exactly the way Jesus laid it out in the beginning. He's unfolding it now, or if you want to say it this way, he's rolling back the curtain and revealing it now. And that's why it's not by coincidence that you have Revelation 1 where he's talking about the things which have been and what you've been through, what's going on. And then he says 2 and 3, chapters 2 and 3, that's the things that are. And then all of a sudden, John is in the midst of the church and then he's caught up, he's changed immediately. He's brought up, come up immediately to the throne room of heaven. I don't think that's coincidence. I don't think it's coincidence that he tells John, hey, read, write about this, write about this, and write about this. And by the way, I'm going to bring you through. I'm going to show you how it's going to happen. So John, being the beloved disciple, he chose to reveal this, I believe, for a specific reason. He could have done this to Peter. He could have done this for, for any other of, of the disciples. Number one, John was, he was one of the, the few of the, of the main disciples remaining. He has not been martyred like a lot of the others have been. But God chose this for John because John was the one that was close to his heart. He was the one that knew him. He was the beloved disciple. He was the one that was close to him in the midst of the betrayal, the closest to him at the Lord's Supper. And he's choosing John, I believe, as a message to say, I am coming after the church that is close to my heart. That's the ones I'm coming after. We're going to see that play out even more so later. But he gives this timeline and he's, you hear this trumpet sound. And all of a sudden he is caught up immediately into this. Now you notice I read things like the trumpet sounding, the lightning, the thunder, these jasper and sardius stones around the throne, all the, this pig. If you go to Exodus chapter 19... And I'm just kind of throwing it out there because we're going to have a... We've got a lot of scripture to cover. Just warning. Y'all okay? Y'all got it? Okay. If you go to Exodus chapter 19, it gives us a picture of the same thing happening. And let me show you a pretty cool thing that happens. Exodus 19 verses 16 through 20. Then it came to pass on the third day. The third day always represents resurrection. There, there's two days of flesh dying. And then the third day represents resurrection. Jesus Christ came back or came out of the grave on the third day after two days of grieving and mourning. Okay? On the third day in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain. And the sound was very loud. So that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. 
Now Mount Sinai was completely in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire. Its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long, that's the final trump, that is known as in Hebraic tradition, the final trump, the last trump. It's always the, the longest blast. It is, it is held out as long as the person can hold his breath. It's held out about that long. So for me, it'd be like three seconds. <laughs> but for someone who knows what they're doing, obviously much longer. So you've got this long, last trumpet sound. And it became louder and louder. Moses spoke and God answered him by voice. Then the Lord came down upon Mount Sinai on top of the mountain. The Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. God in the sound and in the voice came. And Moses at that exact time was called up. And he's called up into the exact same picture with the exact same wording of this throne room and the throne room we read about in the book of Revelation. Exact same picture, exact same wording. Not only that, we're not going to read this for sake of time, but if you were to read on through the next four or five verses, verses 21 through 25, 26, right in there, after this meeting where, where Moses is called up with God and he goes up, God tells Moses, now go back down Tell my people to consecrate themselves. This is for real. This is not a drill. Okay? That this is a real holy moment here for the people to make sure they take it seriously. In the same way he's telling John, when after this book is written, this book is written for this reason. Take this seriously. Take this seriously. God is not playing games. And I realize that for a couple thousand years now, we feel like maybe God has gotten more distant and more distant and more distant. And it's kind of like kids who feel like the mom and dad's not really looking, right? And they feel like maybe we can get away with a little bit more. Or they feel like maybe the teacher has stepped out of the room. What happens when the teacher steps out of the room? Y'all laughing because y'all know you've done a spit water too. You've done some stuff that you know... You weren't going to get caught about. And what, what God is trying to say is that, that, that religion is not about not getting caught and getting away with something. That, that this relationship that I'm, I'm pulling you close to me is I want you to take me seriously. Let's fast forward. That was the church that was lukewarm. That was their problem. They were not taking this walk with Christ seriously. I have told people over and over over the last four or five months, everybody I can just about talk to, it's time to get your faith in order. Wake up, guys. I said it Sunday. I might say it again this Sunday. Wake up. It's wake up time. We are at the, the beginnings or maybe, maybe a little further than just the beginning of a perfect spiritual storm that is going on in America right now. Wake up. Take this seriously. Consecrate yourselves. Now more than ever. And then some people say, well, pff, I've heard Jesus is coming back for my whole life. 
Why do I need to get ready now? Because at very least, if you get ready, you're going to be closer to God. Okay? That's just the bare minimum. That's at very least. But also, it's not something to be playing with. You know, uh, it reminds me of a time when Jesus um, come down from the mountain and God spoke. And the disciples, those that were close to Jesus, the voice of God. Those that were somewhat close, and we kind of can put it in perspective of, you know, there was some really close disciples, disciples on the fringe. And then there was the world, and especially in throwing in the, the religious people around there, right? Well, those that were really close to Christ heard the voice. Those on the fringe said, what, are, are angels speaking? So it's almost like some heard the voice of God, others just thought, well, something spiritual is going on. And then you have those on the outside that were like, was that thunder? That's the same way it is now. That's the same way it is going now. That you have people that are close that are saying, I hear God speaking to me. I hear the Holy Spirit drawing me, pulling me close, knocking on the door of my heart and the door of the church saying, wake up, guys, wake up. And then you have some on the outskirts that's just like, well, something spiritual is going on. I guess we're going to find out. And then you have some, unfortunately, way out there that are just like, was that thunder? What's going on? How can, I, how can I keep going on my daily business? It's just thunder. Let's move on. It's a storm. It'll pass just like everything else. Well, we believe this storm has come for a reason, and it is the reason of waking us up. It's waking us up. All right? So here you have the next few verses. God says, Put a warning out to my people. Okay? Take this seriously. Then you go to Exodus 24 and 10. I just want you to see that there is a picture of the throne room of God that is looking exactly like it was in Revelation. Exodus 24 and 10. And they saw the God of Israel, and there was under His feet, as it were, paved of sapphire stones and it was like the very heavens in its clarity and one translation says and there was like a rainbow that was surrounding the throne that's the real rainbow stuff that's that's the real rainbow the real meaning to that where it is a blending of every color that God has created for us you imagine that, that that every color that we think we've come up with God's actually already come up with it we're just we're just using it, right? So that's kind of the first two. They, they, they do kind of run together. But we have the picture in the Torah, in the original law and Torah of God, of a moment that is exactly like the book of Revelation, which I believe points to a rapture. Number three. If you look from chapters 4 through chapters 18, which is discussing the tribulation period. It is about seven years that we know of, and I will go over why it's seven years. You have to go back to the book of Daniel, and then you have to go tie that together with the book of Revelation. You got about a seven-year period there of some major tribulate, great tribulation, major stuff going on right there. You realize that the word church is not even mentioned in those chapters. It's mentioned 19 times in the first three chapters. And it's mentioned 
after that in 19 and 20 and 21 when he talks about his bride. But it's not mentioned at all in those four chapters 4 through 18. All right? So that lets you know that if, if God had his faithful church here during that time, don't you think there would be more instruction? But there's not. He kind of leaves it to the open to the point of saying that, hey, and so those that are remaining, here's, what, here's what's going to be happening. Okay, I want to go deeper with that. The fourth reason why we believe, or why I believe, is that this is speaking of a, of a, of a rapture-type moment is because out of the seven churches that he speaks to, two of them are exempt. Two of them are exempt from the great wrath. If you are looking at the seven churches, you look at Smyrna and you look at Philadelphia. They're the two churches that get no condemnation at all. They do not get any conviction or condemnation. God, Jesus doesn't say you need to shape up here or there. He's basically saying, boy, hold on to your faith. Keep up the good work. If you keep up the good work, I've got a promise for you, right? Just as he does so in all of them, only they're the only two that doesn't get uh, raked over the coals, okay? So what are the promises that he gives those two churches who are going to remain faithful? Revelation 2, 8 through 11, and to the angel of the church of Smyrna write. Jonathan, you need to name your first kid Smyrna. All right. These things says the first and the last who was dead and came to life and know your works. The tribulation. Now, I put this in here for a reason because people would say, uh-huh, uh-huh, I told you. Tribulation. That word tribulation does not mean wrath of God. That word tribulation means persecution. Okay? And that's what I mean by pre-rapture or pre-tribulation rapture doesn't mean that the church gets out of everything. We're going to be, we're going to have to go through some We're just not going to have to go through the wrath of God. Okay? Uh, let me move on. I know your poverty, but really you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and they are not. And that is important because you got to know that Part of the reason, the story, why the church is not mentioned in chapters 4 through 18 in Revelation is because now this is God working with his Jewish people that rejected the Messiah in the first place. So here you have the picture of a church people being rejected by, Jew, by the Jews that are not really God's Jews. Does that make sense? They've rejected God. They've rejected the will of God through the Messiah. And so here you have in this church, this same picture, where God is separating it out between those that are faithful, that are persecuting you, and they call themselves religious, and they call themselves Jews, but they're not. They're missing me. They've missed me. They've missed the point. They've missed the will of God. Okay? <clears throat> Do not fear any of those things, <clears throat> excuse me, which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison and that you are going to be tested and you will have some tribulation for about 10 days. But be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. 
And so here you think, well, wait a minute, he's still talking about tribulation. And this is what I say. There's 160,000 people a year that are living this right now. And so for us to be an American go, well, it's not so bad. Be careful. Just be careful, right? Here's the promise, though. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. By the second death, meaning that he's, when that great wrath is poured out, there's, there's that beginning of that second death. He wasn't going to die in it. He said, you're not even going to be hurt by it. Okay? That's, so that's the first faithful church. Let's go to the second one. Faithful church. Revelation chapter 3, verse 10. Church of Philadelphia, which means love, right? Brotherly love. It also means cream cheese. Right? <laughs> it's the church of the cream cheese. Amen to that. I could tear some cream cheese up on just about anything. If it has the word cheese in it, I'm all for it. Right? Here we go. I have to do that because Revelation's heavy, y'all. <laughs> okay? We have to pick it up just a little. All right, Revelation 3.10, the cream cheese church. Be you have kept my command to persevere. And here's why I say, even though you believe in pre-tribulation rapture, if you do, and if you don't, I love you. We can talk about it. We really can. There's, good, there's points to both of it, all three of it. But a lot of people divide this by saying, ah, you get out of it. No, the church has to persevere no matter what. The church... I know I've said that, and I know I'm being redundant, and I'm doing it on purpose. Persevere, no matter what, no matter when it is, no matter when it is, persevere. And if you do, I, will, I also will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world. What is he talking about? That hour of trial that comes upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Why is he saying there's a separation between those who dwell on the earth and those who are faithful that I'm pulling you out of? Where are they going to be? Are they going to be on the earth? Obviously, he's saying there's some sort of separation here. You're going to be with me. They're going to be with the earth, be on the earth. You're faithful in your perseverance. And because of that, I'm going to let you get out of that hour of trial, which is the wrath of God. Okay? So out of the seven churches, two were faithful. Now you can also sprinkle in some, because he's in some of the churches he's saying, some of you are faithful, but a lot of you are you're getting some stuff messed up. You need to fix this. Everybody in here knows that not everybody who calls themselves a believer or a Christian is really true, faithful man or woman of God. And that's, that is, that's, that's the hardest part for a pastor to, to realize. That I could have sitting here or online or listening or whatever, I could have within my influence any number of those that are just kind of playing the, the game that's hard. That, that's, what, that's, stuff, that's part of the stuff that keeps pastors up at night. And it bothers me. 
It bothers me to think that there are some people playing the game. Now, I, you know, that, that hurts. So that, that's all the more responsibility on me how, why I can't be playing the game. That we have to do, and I have to teach you and lead you, hopefully, in seeking the face of God. Not just teach you some magic way to rub his belly and get something good out of it. But I got to teach you how to seek the face of God. To know the heart of God. To be known by him in an intimate way. You know, when Jesus, when he says, depart from me, he says, depart from me because I never knew you. You got a lot of people that know about Christ, but that's not really where we need to be. Where we really need to be is in a place where he knows us. And that, that word know means very intimately. Same, same word back in the Hebrew where it says, and Adam knew his wife. And there was some conception there. There was something conceived in there. In our situation, spiritually speaking, He knows us. We, we, we're intimate with Him. And there is conceived in us of the Holy Spirit a new birth. Something deep that we need to make sure that we are aware of. That this is not playtime. This is not Monopoly. This is not you pass, don't pass, go. Don't collect $200. You go to jail for two or three turns. No, this is, this is life or death stuff. Okay. So because the church is not addressed, there are a lot of people, even a lot smarter than I am, that I have studied out, that feels like there's a reason for that, and that is what we just discussed. So, all right, we've got to move on. Uh, number five. I think I'm on point number five. Jesus compared the last days to two things. As in the days of Noah and Lot. Okay? Two things. Since you're curious, Luke chapter 17. Verses 20 through 37. I know it's a lot of scripture, but that's my job. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. In other words, it's not going to come the way you think it's going to come. You're going to, it's, it's, it's possible you're going to miss it. Okay? Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to the disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, Look here or look there. Do not go after them or follow them. For as the lightning that flashes out of, the, out of one part under heaven shines to another part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by, his gener by this generation. Let's read on verse 31. In that day, he who is on the housetop, and his goods are in the house, let him not come down and take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him 
Remember Lot's wife. Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life will preserve it. I know that in that night there will be two men in one bed, and the one will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken, and the other left. They will be in the field. And one will be taken, and the other left. And they answered and said to him, We're Lord. And he gives a really weird reply, at least first looking at it. He says, And he said to them, Wherever the body is, there are the eagles will be gathered together. Uh, other translations say basically the birds are going to come to the bodies, right? The bodies that are what? That are left. So he kind of gives this picture like, okay, you got two people, one's gone, and then they say, well, okay, well, what's happening to Jesus? And he says, just know this, where the bodies are, the ones that are left, the eagles are coming, or the vultures in some cases, they're going to eat the bodies. Okay? So, uh, let's put this together in the context of what we're talking about. Days of Noah and Lot. What happened in the days of Noah and Lot? First is a picture of they're all, everybody in basically the are just kind of living their life in a way where they don't really care that much about what God is doing, what God is saying, what God wants. It's more about what I want. It's more about more about self-justification than it is righteousness in, in God's eyes. It's more about um, convenience. As well. He said they were, they were marrying, they were drinking, they were partying, they were building, they were just going about their daily life. And then all of a sudden, something happens. Now, uh, in, in both cases, in Noah's case and in Lot's case, there was a group of people that were called out of that if you want to call it that, that was poured out. Okay? In Noah's day, it was actually even deeper. Okay? Because in Noah's day, lest we forget that they lived so long that they all kind of knew each other. If you look at those first generations, all the way from Adam to Noah, a lot of them, they, they, they were around each other. They knew each other. They, they were huge family. Okay? <laughs> For instance, when Adam died, Enoch was about 100-ish years old. This was not a picture of, okay, Adam, there he was, he died, and then where's the next one? And then he went, and okay, there was the next one. They didn't really know each other. This is a picture of, they were all there together, at least to some extent. Okay, so then you have those like, so in other words, those like Enoch, were taught by Adam himself about what God is looking for. Noah himself heard from first-hand experience what God is really looking for. So they knew there was a, a, a way to live righteously. What happens is a lot of the other people don't care about that anymore. But then you have this faithful few who does? Now, let's look at the picture of Noah. First of all, you've got this uh, Noah's great-grandfather. His name is Methuselah. Okay? Methuselah in Hebrew, uh, in its original language, actually means whose name means when he dies, it comes. Methuselah, Methuselah's name means 
When he dies, it comes. What comes? The rain. The rain. I don't have time to go through all that. Maybe we will another day. When Methuselah dies, the rain comes. And actually, the Bible, if you want to get technical about it, and when he dies, God gives seven days. Seven days for Moses to get the affairs in order and things together. Seven days, seven churches. He gives Moses, or I'm sorry, Noah, he gives Noah seven days to get things in order. And then God himself shuts the door to those that are found righteous and faithful in his will. Time, whenever Methuselah dies, it was about then that Enoch is translated. So at about the same time that you've got God calling someone home supernaturally, we have a heart, the normal person has a hard time thinking in this way. What do you mean? He was here and he was gone? I mean, is he going to miss it? What's happening? No. He was translated by God himself to where he is gone. And then you have Noah, who represents the Jewish people of God going in and being safe through the flood, which represents the elect that he's going to have, the Jewish elect he's going to have, and he's going to keep safe. So you've got this, this person in Enoch who represents the church of Christ, who is translated because he is walking with God and was no more. That's what he's saying. God is saying, I'm, I'm wanting the people to walk with me. Not walk your own and then ask me to bless that man. I want you to walk with me. I want you to know me. And those that intimately know him, they're translated. They're gone. They don't even get the raindrops. You've got Noah who is left, and all of a sudden, he is this picture of, I do have a chosen remnant of people that I'm going to keep safe through the flood. And if you look at the book of Revelation, the ones that he keeps safe through the flood of the wrath of God, that's the Jewish people. Some of you have heard the 144,000 men that are going to be late. That's them. He calls them the elect. Okay? So, okay. In fact, I want you to go even deeper. Uh, I want you to go to the book of Jude. It's toward the end. Ezekiel is crazy. 
Enoch is really, really out there. It's really crazy. I've read it because it was curiosity, but I don't read it because it's Bible canon. Okay? Um, but in it, there are some seeds of truth that Enoch actually wrote a book. He was actually known as the very first prophet. Okay? So Enoch is writing that there's going to come when the God and his saints are going to come down and they're going to wreak havoc on all the ungodly. Well, how can the saints come down if they're not already up there? Coming from the one who just got translated up there. Does that make sense? And if you read the book of Revelation 19, what happens? <coughs> Jesus comes out riding on a white horse with who? The angels and us behind him. To do what? To make the final war. Okay. You got me? Yeah. Alright. John is on. Come on. Alright. So let, okay, now let, let's move on to the time of what? Because I'm running out of time here. I may have to do part two. And he said, like Noah and like Lot. Now let's look at what happened to Lot. Everybody kind of knows how crazy that was, right? That the angels are coming to get the righteous family of God out of there and as the angels are doing so, the Bible says all of the men more of that area are wanting to lay with the angels that there there's, there's a perversion there apparently the angels were good looking to them there's also this kind of mysticism about it that they're wanting to be spiritual but not necessarily do it the right way Okay, that's the new age spiritual, but, but they don't want to do it God's way. They don't want to find their own spirituality. So there's kind of that mix of stuff, okay? Let's move forward. They get Lot. They get him behind the closed door. They say, Lot, get your family, get whatever. Get, get your bags packed quickly. You got to go. They're beating the door down. Okay? As that happens, they're trying to, the angels tell Lot, See those mountains over there? Go. Head for them. When I'm gonna, I've got you covered. It's kind of like the old western. I'm going to bust the door open and I've got you covered. I'm going to be shooting lightning bolts at these guys. And as I'm doing so, take off. And Lot says, oh, no, no, wait a minute. I don't want to do the mountains because I know some people, there's possibly some people that are waiting on us to kill us there. So he said, but there is a safe place called the city of Zoar, which is very close. He said, can we run to that place? The angel says, yes, run to that place. But he says, Hurry up. In fact, Jesus 19.22 Genesis 19.22 The angels tell Lot and his immediate family there, hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you get into the city. Picture of God's righteous people. God say, I'm going to allow a human in escape. Now, this doesn't mean you haven't had to deal with things, it doesn't mean you haven't had to be persecuted, but it does mean that you have been faithful. And so I have a promise for you. And it says, Therefore, the name of that city was Zoar, which means I, can't, I cannot come down to get into the city. Alright? Now, I, I want to fast, I want to 
real quick, very, very quickly about talks about the days of Noah and Lot and all that, and he ends up by saying, and the birds are going to eat the bodies, right? He's saying, so there's a separation, there's some going, some staying, and the birds are going to eat the ones that are staying. Revelation 19.21, which I told you is that Jesus coming and riding on his white horse. If I was Linda Cooley, I'd start playing and singing that. <laughs> Revelation 19.21 says, And the rest were killed with the sword which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all of the birds were filled with the flesh. Jesus tying all of this together. Alright? So there you have it. Jesus comparing these two times, or this time,
be mine. Be mine. Faithfully. Let's fast forward to the talents. The Bible says a man came, and, and he, when he came, he needed some work done in his, in his kingdom, in his field. And he said, I'm going to give you talents to start working. He gave some five, some two, some one, or one more, right? Then he said he went away. And then he came back. And when he came back, what did he come back for? Those who did exactly as he was saying to do. Jesus said, if you love me, I command this. I'm not saying you're saved by your words, but I'm saying you're saved two works and you need to bear some fruit there, right? That if you are truly his, you'll truly bear fruit. The one who he said was a wicked and slothful servant missed out. In fact, he had the portion that was given to him taken away and given to some of the others. He was left. He was left. And here you have these two parables. And Jesus made a clear distinction between those who have religion versus those who he
10. And to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from what? The wrath to come. Why does Jesus deliver you? Why are we waiting on him? Because there's deliverance from wrath. Okay? We'll cover more scriptures that talk about deliverance from wrath. But we have them on. Okay? 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in Him. According to the Lord's Word, we tell you that we who are still who are left until the coming of the Lord will certainly not perceive those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a command, some say, some translations say, a shout, the voice of the archangel, trumpet, call of God. Dead in Christ will rise first. After that, He who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will ever be with the Lord forever. Now, encourage one another with these words. Okay? This is why, this is one of the main reasons why I don't believe in post tribulation rapture necessarily. Why I, don't, I lean away from that is because the Bible doesn't say He calls us up and then we U-turn and all of a sudden have to come right back down. That actually He calls us up and there's a moment in Revelation 7 and some other areas that there's actually a picture where John sees a number beyond a beyond multitude that is worshiping Jesus. And he asks, who is this? And he says, well, that's those that, that have escaped the great tribulation. Okay? Is heavy? Y'all good? All right, we're going to move on. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9-11. For God did not appoint us to but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with Him. The same verbiage, waking. Those are awake, those are insane, living with Him. Outside of what? Outside of the wrath of God. Okay, we got to move on. 2 Thessalonians 2, 1 through 11. Now, this is where a lot of mid tribulation rapture people get their viewpoint. This is one of the main ones. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ had come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called of God or that is worship, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And now you know, restraining, that he may be revealed in his own time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work only. 
He who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. The same breath of his mouth I just read to you in 19. It says, the sharp two-edged sword will come out of the mouth. Okay? The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this and for this reason God will send them strong delusion that they should be alive. Alright? The reason why a lot of mid-tribulation rapture people use this is because it says that uh, when Paul is talking about the hour that's coming it says that the son of perdition, who is that? The Antichrist will come. And he says there'll be a great falling away. Right? So he's saying these this great falling away, the son of perdition, they will come. Right? So that day will not come unless what? The falling away comes first and the man the, the name of sin is revealed, the son of perdition. Okay? Here's what I got. And we may have to end on this, but this is going to take just a second. Um, they use this as if to say, okay, this is going to happen, the rapture is going to happen after the man of sin shows up and after the great fall in the way. That's not what I feel like the scripture is talking about. Okay? Already set it up in his first letter, he's already taught you about the rapture. So he was saying as if there was this conversation where he was hearing people say, I'm confused about this. Because they've already heard that the spirit of the Antichrist is already alive and well. That was a well-known doctrine that was going on in that church age and still to this day. There is a spirit of the Antichrist that is alive and well to this day. Okay? So he was saying that that spirit of the Antichrist, he's not going to be, he's not going to rise up and be the Antichrist until what happens? The restrainer is left. The church, the church that is holding the keys of Jesus Christ and building the kingdom of God. When salt and light leave, there's nothing to restrain them any longer. Does that make sense? He gives Peter the keys and says, Upon his rock, I'm going to build my church. Gates of hell shall not prevail. In other words, the, the, the church is going to move forward. But at the moment the church is called out, then the restrainer, there's nothing to restrain the spirit of the Antichrist anymore. Then he rises up. And as he rises up, there is a great falling away. Do you know what happens in the tribulation? A large number of people will choose to be deceived by him and they will fall away. What what did they say that those people chose not to love the truth? Which means the truth they had to have known. And they chose not to love it. That's the great falling away. And I know including preachers that say, oh, these in, these these times are going to be so bad that a lot of people are going to fall away, which means the end of the time is near. 
Uh, I know what they're saying is they're, they're struggling in, in reaching people, and people are people are, are being people, and they're not putting God first. Okay, but that's not the great falling away. The great falling away are those that are rejecting the truth and being deceived by the one who is holding them. That's the Antichrist. This is why I believe in the rapture happening before that. Because what do you think is going to happen in this world when the church, the true living body of Christ is gone? You're right, maybe you'll never see it. But it's going to be bad when the earth has no more salt and no more light. It's not going to be good. Just means that you're going to eat rich. You're going to eat good. 
to go any deeper than that. But he also said, verse 3, And you shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on that day. On the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant. While we wait for the hope, the appearing 
of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That there is a blessed hope that we are waiting on. Alright, last one. Luke 21 36, the words of Jesus Christ Himself. It's a huge clue. Okay? Watch therefore and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape all these things which shall come to pass and stand before the Son of Man. Now, if there was no escape, no way to get out of the wrath of God, if, which if you read that in context, he's talking about the end of the day, talking about all of that. If there, why would, is that, a, is that a, a false carrot Jesus is dangling in front of his people to say, ha ha, you'll never get it. Would he give you a false promise? No. Absolutely not. He is talking to his disciples and he said, make sure your prayer life is right so that you will escape that day. There is what Jesus said, there is a way to escape that. And it has a whole lot to do with how you relate to me. What we call prayer. Life. Okay? I know that was a lot. I, I get it. There was there was a lot in that. I'm sorry, guys, this video went probably longer than probably, some of you may be asleep. Wake up and watch it in pieces. Okay? <laughs> You've got a few days. Between now and Sunday, so wake up and watch the pieces. There's just so much to it. I hope it made sense to you. Um, we're going to go over something, something really cool that I have studied and learned uh, from a couple other even prophetic teachers that talk about the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation and how those two things come together. We'll go over that probably next week. So God bless you. We love you. Let me close in prayer. Father God, we thank you. Whew, that was a lot. That was a mouthful. That was a heartful. That was, that was a lot, God. I pray, God, that as we go forward, that we would hear the voice very clearly to say, God, let's just be ready. Whether that is now or whether that's 25 years from now or even 100 years from now, let me be ready. Let me, let me teach my sons to be ready. Let me teach those around me to just be ready. Because it could come any moment. God, I really do believe, God, that you are looking for a spotless bride. Not that we're perfect, but that we continually want to be in your presence and in your word and in your spirit and in your blood that continually just washes us and makes us clean. God, we need you. We need you on a daily basis. For me, this was not a once and done thing. For me, I need you every single day. Yes, my salvation is in your hands. And no man can pluck that out of your hand. But yes, I also realize that I need you every day. Yes. Father, we thank you. We love you. And we honor you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to the Rock Creek Family Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Jonathan again, and we are so thankful and grateful for you to be here and join us. We ask that you would make sure that you subscribe so that you can catch other podcasts as they come out. Also, if you would rate it and comment, let us know how God has blessed you through this podcast. We love you. We thank you. Have a blessed day.